Hey everybody, it's Bevan. Welcome to my podcast, Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends with your host, me, Bevan. I've said my name three times already. Uh, welcome. This is another solo episode, which there will be some of these and some with my friends. I'm excited to share both. This episode is about spirituality. I was inspired to do this episode, honestly, because I do get a lot of questions from people about spirituality. And I had a really poignant conversation with someone that kind of like abruptly ended when we were talking about Reiki and um, my work as a Reiki practitioner and the role of Reiki in my life. And I feel like that all kind of comes into my spirituality. So I'm excited to talk about that. I'm excited to talk about spiritual thought leaders that have really affected my life. I'm excited to talk about like how I decided to become spiritual because that was a turning point in my life. And also just like the story of my faith practice, because right now, um, as I'm recording this, it is September 25th and uh, 2019. If you're uh, welcome to people listening from the future. Hi. Um, But today in my life, I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent next month, which is due in one week. Um, It's super terrifying to me. Money stuff, I even talked about this, I think, in episode two. Like, money stuff is a thing I work on. Uh, I've gotten really good at loving my body no matter what, Um, and that took 20 years of practice. I mean, it didn't take 20 years to get to that point, but it has been a 20-year practice. Um, I got really good at accepting and loving myself no matter what my partnership status is. And wow, like just 10 years ago, I was very stressed about whether I would ever have a partner for life. And now I just like kind of have a quiet faith about knowing that I have a partner out there and um, do not stress about what my current uh, you know, status of being single or not is. And so I'm really working on applying that same sort of like spiritual principle to uh, my relationship with money and like knowing that money comes and knowing that my needs are always met and that uh, it will all work out even if I can't see a way um, that truly like right now having applied for a ton of jobs, um, having uh, sought out a roommate hither and yon, um, including like lots of short-term rental, uh, websites and things like that. Um, and just like never in my life have I had this much trouble finding a roommate. Um, and like, you know, putting stuff up on Craigslist, some of it sells, some of it doesn't like, I just don't know what else to do. And I just keep following that kind of next right action. And I know a lot of faith practice is just surrendering and letting go and letting it be what it is. So right now I am like deeply in the thick of faith practice. Um, I want to dissuade people from a faith practice, honestly, because this is the hardest part. Um, But I think the best part about faith is that it does give you a quiet strength to bear the times of uncertainty. Uncertainty is one of my biggest triggers. Um, I... Uh, whenever I get into uncertainty, I've actually observed my thoughts enough to note um, that whenever I'm feeling uncertain, that's when my thoughts spiral out the most. Um, and so faith is kind of the opposite of fear, right? Like you can't be at the same time in faith about something and in fear about something. Even as I do know that we can hold multiple conflicting emotions at once, um, faith and fear are really hard to cohabitate. So whenever I'm finding myself being in fear, because that's what uncertainty is, uncertainty is needing things to be certain in order to feel safe, faith is feeling safe no matter what the external circumstances are. Um, It's kind of like knowing whose hands hold the future, right? Like it's God's hands. Um, 
But I want to like just start at the beginning um, and say first and foremost that I don't think anyone needs to have a faith practice. Just because I have a faith doesn't mean you need to have my faith. Um, just because I believe in a higher power of my specific understanding doesn't mean that you need to. I am the opposite of uh, the kind of person that just needs people to believe what I believe. I think that that's actually the opposite of having belief. I think people who really need other people to reinforce their beliefs about things, whether that be about God or body body size um, or age being a factor in whether or not someone's body is valuable, right? Like all of those things are tied up in belief systems that people who are fragile about their belief systems need other people to reinforce it. People who have strong belief systems do not need other people to reinforce it. I'm here to tell you, I don't need you to believe what I need, what I believe. I want you to follow your own path. In fact, I think that's primary in having a spiritual practice is being um, conscious in your own mind about what you believe and examining everything and being willing to change also, because I think our beliefs um, and our lives change as we grow and evolve. And I'm so grateful that in my life, I've been willing to f- make my beliefs more flexible and make my life more flexible. I remember in my 20s, just like really admiring other people's spiritual practices, but never feeling like that was for me. Um, I uh, grew up with um, a kind of culturally Catholic, I would say, like my mom was raised Catholic, went to Catholic school for some of the time. Um, and uh, Catholicism, if you're not familiar, is very dogmatic. There's a very strict sort of way of believing and a way of being. Um, I feel um, I've seen that kind of become more flexible um, from, you know, as an outsider perspective, watching mostly my cousins be Catholic. Um, it seems more flexible now, but it's still not really for me. Um But my mom chose not to raise me in the Catholic Church, even though I was baptized, uh, because my parents were divorced when I was 18 months old. And uh, my mom at that time came out as a lesbian. And, like, she did not want me raised in a church that would tell me that my parents were wrong for being divorced. Um, And, uh, you know, my mom, it's it's a long story. We'll talk about that another time. But she she didn't stay out for the beginning of my life, but then she came out again. But being raised without a religion um, felt to me like I didn't get to have a relationship with God because I didn't have a religion, which is a weird idea. And I don't know where that landed in me, but I do remember feeling very limited in whether or not I could participate in connecting with God uh, because I didn't have a religious practice. Um, And so it was super interesting to me to see people. um, I was in some women's communities that were very, uh, what I like to say, woo. So like that's short for woo woo, which is like, you know, like hippy dippy new age sort of thought. Um, and I, uh, I just, I love woo now. Like I am like deeply into woo and into spirituality and like, um, what is called new thought, ancient wisdom teachings, um, which is like, these are things that are based on ancient wisdom, but they're more towards new thought because they're um, not in religion or in dogma. They're just uh, part of like our collective consciousness and ideas, which I think are reflected across many faith structures. Um, so sort of some of those ideas are like the law of attraction, which is the idea that um, ask for what you want, believing that it will come true and then receive it. 
Um, I also believe there's some action that needs to take place in that. You can't just like expect things to come to you. You do have to take some next right action. Uh, it doesn't have to make sense, but you do need to, to do something that God can work with, right? So ask, believe, receive is a big th- part of how I interact with the world in Law of Attraction. And if you want to know more about that, highly recommend watching the movie The Secret. It's on Netflix. Um, and But that's like just one layer, right? There's a whole other layer of just sort of being in the presence of God and letting God use you. So not your ideas for what God can bring to you, but what you can do for God and how you can be a messenger for God and sort of be out there um, like feeling those impulses like simple things sometimes are really me being a messenger for god like today i helped a woman return a a grocery cart to the thing like i saw her using her grocery cart as a mobility device and as i passed her um on the way out uh to my car i said oh can i return this for you like little impulses like that to just do a nice thing for somebody else i think that's doing god's work and that's part of my faith practice so Um, Getting it. So those types of things were kind of floating past my consciousness, but really watching The Secret, which I watched at um, at work. I had been a real estate lawyer in New York um, and me and my boss went to go do a presentation for a bunch of realtors. Uh, at one of their staff meetings and the first part of the staff meeting before we did our presentation was literally the the head honcho of the brokerage um, had them watching the movie The Secret. So I watched the movie The Secret at work for the first time. Blew my mind. Like I was like, wait, what? Like the, I didn't even understand that this kind of thought was possible. Like you could just connect with God and you could just believe stuff and that's how it works. Wait, what? So that wasn't even when I got spiritual, but that seed was planted. And about a year later, um, maybe a year and a half later, I was—I um, had been laid off from that job because the 2008 market crash uh, created what felt like at the time a crisis, but I think in hindsight was clearly a crisis-tunity, so something that starts as a crisis, but really the opportunity for you to grow and do something new. Um, and I, so I lost that job. Um, and right before that, my fiance, um, had broken up with me. This is my first fiance. We've, we've been engaged twice in case you haven't listened to episode two. Um, we've meaning me in the plural, uh, third person. Um, anyway, so I, uh, I was like in this state where I, you know, just everything felt like it was falling apart for me. And, um, and it was, everything was falling apart because it wasn't the life I was meant to have. And I, uh, ended up moving to Brooklyn because my apartment in Jersey City got bed bugs. Like, can I just tell you that was the literally worst living experience of my entire life? Do not recommend. Uh, vigilantly protect yourself against bed bugs. Um, and I, you know, like, but it ended up like everything washed away and I ended up landed in Brooklyn. I was working at Redress NYC, which was a plus size women's resale clothing boutique. Um, I guess it wasn't just women's clothes. We had some men's clothes too, but anyway, a plus size vintage and resale clothing boutique. Um, and I was working part time there and part time working as a lawyer, just like kind of hanging my own shingle, um, and just trying to make it work and, and, you know, making it work just barely, not quite like enough to pay all my bills, but, you know, broke, but happy, I guess is what I was. And, um, there was an interesting period of time where 
at the store, um, my boss was approached to do what they called workplace verite, aka do a reality show about our store and the people working there. And I was like, oh my God, this is all my dreams coming true. I've always wanted to be a talk show host. Here it is. Here's my chance. I was like gung ho for it. All the other shop girls had different relationships with whether they wanted to be on TV, which is totally valid. Um, and we got pretty far into the process. We were starting to shoot a sizzle reel. Um, and then my boss decided she didn't want to be on TV. And so just like ended the phase that we were in, I guess, with the reality show. Which is totally valid because everybody gets to do what they need to do. But to me, it was wildly devastating because I had just like been trying to make my art work, right? Like trying to make like being an artist and an activist and helping people love themselves. I was throwing like a body positive queer dance party at the time, like living this interesting life and trying to show people what was possible and just like trying to make a living off of it. And I thought the show, the reality show was going to be the way I finally made a living off of like, you know putting fun art and good stuff and self-expression in the world, which is like, um, only I had given it like two years. Right. Like, and I was like, so disappointed that it hadn't panned out just yet. And, um, so what I ended up doing, um, I got this like random windfall of money, uh, because the firm that had closed, like we got our retirement accounts, like they basically cashed them out and gave them to us. It wasn't a ton of money, but it was enough that I could do some coaching. Uh, and I love coaching. I think coaching is like the kind of money where you are spending it to improve yourself. And that is like a wildly great investment. Um, and the same thing like with anything that like improves your life that helps to improve your value um, rather than like um, partying and blowing it all on drugs, right? Like there's different ways of spending money um, to enrich yourself. So I saw my first life coach who was Lenny Breedlove, who was uh, a front man of Tribe 8, uh, wrote a really great book called Godspeed and just was an artist that I really looked up to and a pal of mine. Um, and so doing life coaching with Linny helped me open myself up to a higher power. Um, and I had just never really thought about the role of God in my life. Um, never thought that I could have that relationship with God. And um, Linny and I did the book, The Artist's Way Together, which is very helpful to have at least like an openness to a power greater than yourself um, to do that book. It was so good. It was really helpful to do it with a coach actually. Um, doing it by yourself is fine, but I think doing that kind of growth work helps having someone else like review your homework with you kind of like pull some insights out of it and like help you like have areas for further inquiry and that kind of thing. Um, and simultaneous with that, I had actually been dating my first girlfriend again. Um, we had dated, when I was 19 in college and a junior and, um, I had always, it was just like a petition of my heart to want to date, um, that person again. And then we did like we reconnected and it was like hot and fast and furious. And of course they lived across the country from me. And of course, like we only saw each other twice while we were dating. And then like they at the time were a very active alcoholic, which I was not conscious of. Um, and like making a lot of excuses for, and, um, you know, then they disappeared like ghosting before ghosting was even a word, right? Like just stopped returning texts, stopped calling. It was very emotionally violent. Um, and, um, it sucked. Like I felt completely crumpled and I had a friend who came to town literally for one day. And, um, I told her the story of like how my ex had disappeared and like, 
uh, she listened to simply my reaction to my ex disappearing and like all the excuses I was making for them and sort of things. And she said, you know, I think you could really benefit from going to Al-Anon. And I was like, what? And she said, yeah, like it's so Al-Anon is a, a fellowship, a 12 step recovery fellowship for people who are affected by other people's drinking. Now, that's a wide swath of people, and truthfully, I think in this society, in this culture, almost everyone is affected by someone else's drinking, even people who also have a problem with drinking, right? A lot of people are double winners. Um, and so that, going to Al-Anon, I mean, just on her recommendation, like, I always thought that I got away with not being affected by my father's alcoholism or the alcoholism of many of my ancestors, but in fact, that's not true. I was wildly affected by it, and the people who raised me, my mother, was also affected by it, and so, like, if people are affected by alcoholism and are raising you, they're also raising in you the emotional effects of alcoholism. So, um, going to that fellowship where it was through releasing um, or recognizing your powerlessness and giving it up to a higher power of your understanding was so much permission giving for me. It was like I could turn the channel on a TV set from not spiritual to spiritual. It was like a full, um, it wasn't like the world became a different color, but it was like I had an enhanced understanding of the world around me because I had an understanding that involved purpose in life and that everything is happening in an a seemingly chaotic but ordered way. Um, and if you can believe that there is purpose to the hardship that happens in your life, it does really take a lot of the sting out of it and makes it, you know, like it's not on you, right? Like it is on you because obviously we need to take responsibility for our actions. There are some steps about that. Um, but there, it, it isn't on you because it's a bigger plan. And um, understanding your powerlessness over alcohol and your powerlessness over everything, right, in life is a, a really helpful place to be um, in terms of surrender. And when I think of surrendering, I really think of an expansive gesture. I really ex- think of, like, if you just spread your arms out, spread eagle, and open up your palms to the ceiling and, like, maybe put your heart to the ceiling, that's how I feel surrender is. It's just a really big, giant gesture where we're opening up to what God has in store for us. Um, this is, at times, completely liberating and, at times, wildly terrifying. I am living it right now. Um, so, um, Al-Anon was so much permission giving, working with Linny was super permission giving, um, really helped me like just kind of start, um, a, a process of deepening my relationship with God. Um, I started a God box, which I highly recommend. And a God box is literally a box where you take your worries, you write them down and you put them in the box. And then like, if you go back in time and look at your God box, and in fact, I could probably read stuff in my God box now and see the ways in which God came in and solved problems, because problems always end up getting solved one way or the other, right? We just don't know, and um, that you can always measure what you will lose, but you cannot measure what you'll gain. And so when you release something that you need to release, you can see what you're losing. Like if you quit a job that's pretty good, but not what you want, um, in order to chase something else, right? Like you can measure what you'll lose, but you can't measure what you'll gain. But it's about like being in a space of receptivity to God's messages in your life. And there's a lot of work that I do in my self care practice. Um, and with my self love that, uh, enables me to hear more, uh, what God has in store for me or needs from me. Having that reality show kind of dangled and then pulled away from me, um, really did compromise my relationship with my art because I was really like, oh, I thought it was going to save me, but it didn't. And it 
maybe it wasn't going to, right? Um, but having the coaching and the artist's way and the relationship with God like helped me understand that my art was actually more of a spiritual practice and a way for God to work through me rather than needing it to have to produce a specific result, which, you know, as someone who is now 40, who has been working hard at like creating content and like art and all that stuff for years, like well over a decade, um, it is really helpful to have that view of it instead of needing it to like turn a profit, right? Because those aren't really the things that are meaningful. What's meaningful is like, you know, people feeling seen and heard uh, from me. I mean, don't get me wrong. I am ready at any moment for my art to pay for my rent. Um, But it's, you know, it is what it is and you can't force outcomes and you just kind of got to like roll and peace. And I was so grateful that like, you know, when I was living in New York, almost the whole time, my rent got paid uh, through my little law firm that I ran um, being a real estate lawyer that it was funny because like just a couple weeks ago, I was like feeling some epic nostalgia for like, oh, wow, it was so nice when I could just work um, and had, you know, clients coming in just a trickle, but it did help me always pay my rent. And now I don't have that same real estate job anymore. But like, I know I don't want to be a lawyer and it's not on my heart to be a lawyer. So anyway, I was feeling nostalgic. But then when I went back to New York for like literally 18 hours last week uh, on my way home from the Glowing Goddess Getaway in the Berkshires, um, I was in New York and I felt uh, a strong need to not go backwards in my life. And it was kind of like a good answer for like that weird nostalgia I had for when I could pay my rent and then do my art. The next kind of like big moment in my spirituality and my spiritual development was when I dated my ex Dara. Um, she and I were the most spiritually compatible I'd ever been honestly with another human being. Like she and I really believed a lot of the same things. We had a really strong relationship with letting the universe guide us. It's like Dara has a very strong relationship with the universe and here's uh, her intuition very, very loudly and verbally. Whereas my intuition, um, comes to me more in feelings and knowing like a, a kind of deep knowing rather than like a straight up voice that I hear. Although I am developing and deepening my intuition even more. And I think I'm hearing it more, more clearly as a voice now. Um, but a lot of people are clear audience where they hear things and some people are clear, uh, I don't know. There's like one where you see things like in your mind, like you see pictures. Um, and there's one where you have feelings, um, So there's a lot of ways to connect with your psychic powers, I've learned. And we all have it. Every single person has a connection to their intuition. It's just whether or not we are doing the work to be a clear channel to hear it. So when Dara and I broke up, I knew that having that spiritual connection was something I was going to miss a lot with her. Um, And so I needed that in my life. And I decided to leap into a spiritual community here in LA called Agape Spiritual Center. Um, I think that's what they call it. Anyway, it's Agape. World renowned. Um, Michael Bernard Beckwith is the spiritual director and the founder of Agape. Um, and he's been on Oprah a bunch of times. So I'd heard about him. It's right here in LA. And so I started going and it's the first time I've gone like to Sunday church every Sunday for a my whole life, I think. Like, I started going to a church called Beloved Everybody that my friend Bethany um, is has founded, and it's uh, it only meets monthly, so it's like that was a different practice. I still go. I love Beloved Everybody. Um, it's a church where people with and without intellectual disabilities are in the leadership, and so um, it really does hit my values uh, in terms of accessibility and like inclusivity. 
Agape, you can actually live stream and they have like 20,000 people who like tune in all over the world and it's really fun to get to go in person. It's at a beautiful theater. Um, but they really believe in like using yourself, using your body and your life as a, a way for God to use you. It's a really great message that really aligns with what I need to hear. And like every week there's a new message, um, either from uh, Michael Bernard Beckwith or from somebody else who's a guest speaker. Um, and Marianne Williamson, who's running for president, um, was a guest speaker the first time I went to Agape. And um, just something that's going to vibe me up, help me like get out of self-doubt and get more into faith practice. And Michael likes to say, like, less honking, more breaks. Like, be out there and be a blessing in the world. And um, it's just a really good place. And I'm really grateful to have that community in my life. I attended a new member class, uh, which was really uh, fun. And I got to connect with more folks um, through that and get like, you know, kind of like, I guess, consecrated, convened, I don't know, whatever, as a new member of this church. It's really interesting to be in an interdenominational fellowship because it's not like religious. It's about like really just being in your spiritual relationship with God. And I think everyone's relationship with God is extremely personal. Um, and can't be dictated by somebody else, but can certainly be enhanced by the community that you keep and the company you keep. I really do feel like you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. And I also think it doesn't necessarily have to be people you spend time personally with one-on-one. And so I work hard to have Reverend Michael be one of those five people in my life, like, because I want what he has. I love his relationship with God. I love how he is just so vibed up and excited about life no matter what. Um, it's an amazing attitude that I think is super powerful. And, um, and it's also like, he's truly in like a prosperity consciousness, like an attitude of plenitude. Um, and I love that. So that's kind of like how, like where I'm at now, like I'm going to church, like I am, um, really in this place where I believe that God has a purpose on my life and for my life. Um, and I, you know, do this through a lot of practices. Um, I really strongly believe in following our curiosity. Um, I think our curiosities are little nudges from God um, about what we're supposed to learn and how, you know, how we're going to move forward. Um, And our curiosities, like those things that feel exciting to learn more about. Um, Like last year, I just like really got on my heart to like, uh, really learn more about cults. It's a weird thing, but like, you know, I was uh, working on um, Facky Dance Party, my aerobics class, and I like just like got a hit that like I was like, I really wanted to know more about like what makes a cult a cult um, and how cult leaders like like not that I wanted to be a cult leader because I totally don't. um, But it was more like, how do I not create something that's culty, right? Because a lot of movement-based practices like soul cycle and things like that, people get really intense about them and really focus on them. And I was like, okay, well, I want to know more about like what makes something toxic in a culty way and then what makes something attractive in a culty way, like in terms of like enhancing people's lives because people want to enhance their lives through their self-care practices. And so I learned a lot, especially... Um, about what makes a cult a cult, which is first and foremost, the leader has to be a narcissist. Um, They have to, the second thing is they want to isolate you from your friends and family. I definitely do not want that because everything I do is about vibing people up so they can go out and make a difference in their lives with their friends and family. Because I think people really learn from the folks in their lives who vibe up. Um, And sometimes that means they need to vibe out. Like 
when you grow, people don't always grow with you. And there's a lot of grief that comes with letting people go like that. But I do believe in um, trusting that and and just, you know, being able to be out there in your life, being a blessing to other people. I, like, I forget the third thing about a cult, but I think it's something about, like, needing people to give them all your money, which is not true. Not something I would want to do. Um, but, uh, it, you know, just following your curiosities. I follow my curiosities around spirituality all the time. Dip into uh, someone's teachings um, pretty regularly. Like, um, there's, like, a few people that I interact with a lot on different platforms. And I'll talk about that later in this episode. Uh, but basically just constantly filling my life, like with a, a continuous stream of, um, learnings and perspectives from people and taking what I like and leaving the rest. So if like, I hear about like astrology stuff, I love astrology. So I love learning more about astrology and the effect that it has on our lives, like where the stars are and the planets are. I think it totally affects us. I think that we're 70% water. The moon is a huge part of who we are and how we are and the placement and the sky and all of that. Um, so like, but that has come because I've exposed myself to things I was curious with. Right. Um, I also, a lot of my rituals that I do and my practices come from just teachers who have been in my life, both like taking classes that I was curious about or following people both in real life and just like on the internet, um, who have practices that I admire and relationships with spirit that I admire, even if they maybe like follow a faith tradition or a practice that's not mine, like there's still some great things in that. Um, I also, I really love Judaism. I am not Jewish, nor do I want to convert, but like being a partner to a Jewish person for six years, like she used to tell me all the time I was more Jewish than she was. Um, because like I thought the holidays were important and I liked the intention around them. And, um, you know, getting exposed to it through um, a leadership uh, sort of fellowship, I guess I was in, it's still connected to the alumni. Um, it just really like exposed me to a lot of cool stuff about Judaism. And I've enjoyed that. And um, I'm still trying to figure out like what the role of Judaism is in my life, like, given that my grandfather was Jewish, um, and but not really practicing. And so like the things I remember about him, and he's a Holocaust survivor too. So like the things I remember about him, uh, were like lighting yard site candles for his parents, but I never knew like that they were yard site candles or what that the significance was until I was an adult reflecting back. Um, but mostly he just kind of like went along with the Catholicism that was happening around him because my grandmother was Catholic. My relationship with Judaism is more like an enhancement of how I connect with God and not necessarily like a desire to be part of a religion or convert to a religious. This is a great time for a music break. Every 
incredible Dolly Parton, who has taught me so much about my own spirituality practice and helped me enhance my relationship with God just through her example. I have really, really appreciated Dolly so much in terms of my journey. I highly recommend her book, My Life and Other Unfinished Business from the early 90s. Great book. Talks a lot about spirituality. 
Uh, before I continue on, I want to just like get in to what I believe specifically, just because I think some people are curious. And again, I don't need you to believe what I believe, but I figure I might as well dive in. I believe in God as like a universal aligning positive energy. I believe in a God of multiplication, a God who wants to do good with us and for us. I believe in the power of each individual person to connect directly with God. I don't think you need an intermediary. And I know that like runs contrary to a lot of religious beliefs, but it's what I believe. Um, I also think that within God energy and God consciousness, um, we have, that's how our souls connect um, to that God energy, God consciousness. I believe that God is something that runs through each of us. It's not like some old man in the sky. It's like really just like a cluster of energy that connects all of us. Um, I do believe in past lives and future lives, and I believe that we are uh, quantum souls, which means that, um, you know, like if I had a past life relationship with like my BFF Spunky, for example, which I believe I did, um, I also think that it's possible for me to have had past life relationships with other people because I have different souls that are all sort of quantum together to learn specific lessons that they're learning through me and as me. It's a little deep, but you know, we're getting there. I also, um, so like, even though I have different soulmates and people who connected to me on a soul level, like Spunky doesn't necessarily connect with Rachel in that same way. Right. And that's because I think we're quantum souls connecting. I also, um, I believe a witch, I love to define a witch as a woman who owns her own power. And I know that people can be witches of all different genders, but I just kind of love that, like, you know, in a historical context, um, I also believe in spirit guides, angels, fairies, um, archangels, ascended masters. Um, I think there's just like a whole team of folks on the other side who are out there helping us. And um, as we stay open to them helping us, we can be enhanced in our work. I also really believe in um, true alignment with our higher selves. Um, Michael, my Michael Bernard Beckwith was talking recently about how integrity is being in an integral alignment with your higher self. And so doing what I can do to make myself more of a, a person that can be connected to my higher self in that consciousness. I uh, also believe in being in our excellence, which is really just like 1% better every day to me. Like I could, if I were like truly to define my excellence, it's like well beyond my capacity today. But if I improve 1% every day, then I will eventually get to that um, true excellence that I'm looking for. This is how I'm like balancing perfectionism, people pleasing (laughs) with um, actually a, a sustainable pursuit of excellence. I also believe in humility, which is the idea that we are the same, like no human is better than another human. And, uh, we all are on this level playing field and I'm just as important as you are. And you are not more important than me and I'm not more important than you. Uh, and I also really love the concept of humble excellence, where it's like kind of a vulnerability. It's kind of a a knowing your place and knowing that you're not going to get stuff perfect, but you're going to try. There's a really good Cheryl Strayed uh, talk on the Oprah Super Soul podcast um, that's really good called Humble Excellence. Um, I also, you know, believe in using the universe, God, goddess, uh, sort of interchangeably. And I love a kind of feminine divine, but I truly think that the the divine has both masculine and feminine and non-binary traits. I really feel like it's a whole confluence of gender. And um, yeah, so that's kind of like 
the main basics of what I believe in. Um, I also believe in soul contracts. I think that we're here for purposes like that you, you may have like a very brief interaction with someone in your life who like comes in swiftly and goes, but that interaction might have been part of a soul contract that you developed with that uh, soul before you came to this earth. So I just, and I also believe that like when people uh, transition from this plane of existence, they don't disappear. They in fact uh, remain and continue to connect with us. And uh, that has really soothed my life in terms of how I deal uh, with loss and grief and death. So I hope if any of that resonates with you, take what you like and leave the rest. But you know, that's, that's what I believe. And it certainly doesn't have to be what you believe. Um, I want to talk about my relationship with Reiki, uh, which is Reiki is a, an energy healing modality. Um, it's tied to a specific lineage um, that comes out of Japan, um, and it has profoundly changed my life. I um, A friend of mine gave me a tarot reading. Um, I also love tarot. I think tarot is a really great way to connect to your intuition, specifically through cards. It's a great way to practice your intuition is to get into tarot. Uh, but a friend of mine did a tarot reading for me, and she said, I think you're supposed to get Reiki. Uh, like, you're supposed to start doing Reiki. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I'd never even had Reiki as a treatment. And then um, my it just like a confluence of events came together. My astrologer... Um, uh, Katie Sweetman of Empowering Astrology. She had posted about a Reiki level one class that was happening. Uh, a friend of hers was teaching. And um, at the same, simultaneously, uh, Dara, my, at that point we were broken up. So um, this was like the first breakup we had. We have now gone through two breakups. Um, so she was diagnosed with breast cancer and I didn't know what to do. My ex was coming back to New York. She had breast cancer. I was like, okay, let's do this Reiki thing. Let's see. So it was just like a, an immediate impetus for me to do it. And I was doing it quote unquote for her, but really it ended up being for me because I think Reiki level one certification, that's where, so Reiki brings balance. Reiki is energy healing comes through the hands uh, and it brings about balance. It relieves stress, anxiety, and depression. Um, it can bring healing. Uh, when you uh, measure Reiki, you can measure electromagnetic change. So you can actually scientifically measure this thing that is actually energy healing, like super spiritual and woo, right? Uh, but there's a lot of science that's connected to spirituality if you look at it and you study it. Um, and so uh, Reiki like kind of just amplifies healing that's already there. Um, I think a lot of what energy healing is, is just helping to get stuff out of the way so that people can heal themselves. I really do think that we all can be, uh, are capable of self-healing, but because humans are a social species, we sometimes need other people to help us in that healing. Um, I also still believe in doctors and medicine, but my relationship with Western medicine is uh, waning. Uh, I'll talk about that in future episodes. But basically, Reiki, like getting level one certified, enables you to do it on people and animals um, and uh, in the present time. And just e being able to just even do Reiki on yourself is a huge uh, thing that you're able to do for yourself. I started, I turned a big corner in my uh, recovery from my chronic digestive disorder uh, right after I got Reiki certified. So I just like really feel like my body was ready for it. I needed it. And it helps vibe me up. Um, it helps me process hard emotions. Um, I got level two certified also in when I was still living in New York uh, because uh, my I knew that it would help me do it across time and space, but put Reiki into objects. And from that very first Reiki class, I knew I was meant to do uh, Reiki infused tea. Like I was meant to create tea blends that were infused with Reiki. 
I currently have those. They're uh, available in my Patreon um, uh, support system. It's one of the membership perks is getting a tin of tea per month from me, Tea of the Month Club. Um, And uh, I really just saw it as a way for busy activists to get access to um, the care and energy healing available from Reiki. Um, And it's also like much cheaper to do it through tea than it is to get like a whole Reiki treatment. Um, but Reiki, I didn't even think I was going to become a Reiki master. And then when I moved out to LA, um, I met someone, uh, Sid Yang, who's an amazing Reiki master teacher here in LA. And, um, they did a healing on my grandmother, um, on her deathbed. That was so incredible. Um, and their, their energy healing practice is like bigger than Reiki, but Reiki is a big part of it. Um, and, uh, just like such a peaceful, beautiful transition we had with grandmother. Um, and I knew it, I knew on my heart and I, it was my intuition that she needed Reiki. And I was really like, I, I knew she needed Reiki even when she wasn't even sick yet. Like I, but I always felt weird about being like, Hey grandmother, I want to give you Reiki. Just so like, it blows my mind now because I think I have way more confidence in my, um, effectiveness as a healer. Um, I, I guess like two years later, but, um, Back then, I just, like, was really, like, shy about it. I guess maybe, like, I couldn't handle the devastation of what if it didn't work, right? Like, what if I was compelled to give Reiki to my grandmother and it didn't work? Um, and that was just, like, a weird fear tape in my head, like, keeping me from trying. But um, it just having that experience, like, finally saying, hey, mom, I really think that grandmother needs Reiki and I have this great healer. And my mom was like, I trust you. And so we paid for that healer to come out. And it was the like greatest, uh, gift. We got, um, end of life messages from grandmother through Sid that were really, uh, transformative. And like, I just knew like from that moment I was meant to get my Reiki master and I was meant to learn it from Sid. And I did, um, and that apprenticeship and that experience just like leveled me up, um, in all areas of my life. And I really see Reiki as like part of my path. And, um, it's definitely part of Fat Kid Dance Party Aerobics. If you've ever been to a class, like, I don't know if you would notice if you're sensitive, but um, there's a ton of Reiki healing that goes into it. Um, and it's it's a super big part of like everything I do, basically. I put Reiki in it um, and other energy healing modalities that I've picked up along the way. Again, following my curiosities. Um, I'm also like super excited that my mother has been um, gotten really into Reiki as well. And it um, up where she lives, she, um, her massage therapist does Reiki and is a Reiki master teacher. And my mom decided to pursue her Reiki certification. And I've just loved watching her bloom through the process of like letting the Reiki move through her life. And, um, it's just such a great modality. And, um, I think energy healing really busts up the capitalist notion that things have to be hard in order to work or be valuable. Um, I think we get really caught up in the idea that we need to earn um, healing or that we need to make things like things just have to be hard, right? They don't have to be hard. They can be easy. And um, I think God wants things to be easy, even as I think God also needs and wants us to learn our lessons because that's part of being human. But we can learn our lessons through fun and joy uh, and bliss and following our bliss and following pleasure, or we can learn them through pain, like pain pushes, vision pulls. Um, is what I like to hear or or what I've heard, um, and and like to repeat. Um, but basically just like 
letting the vision come into your life um, and having the bravery to follow the bliss and follow the 10. And like, it's why I'm still in this massive house that Dara and I shared together that made sense when we, when I was here with in a couple and I was being supported and now not being financially supported, but still here, like my house is my 10. And so I've been spending a lot of time doing decluttering and clearing the energy because I'm like, this is how I'm devoted to the house. And I'm just trusting that it's bringing, you know, what needs to come in order to support me. Right. Um, even as like, I have no idea how it's going to work out this time. It has worked out. Like I didn't know how I was going to pay August rent up until like the middle of August. So now we're like really pushing it in September, but I'm just trusting, trusting, trusting. I want to talk about the role of scripture in my life. Um, I know people are very like, I have to say, I'm so grateful that like I was not raised with a religion because I don't have any religious trauma. I do not have shit to unlearn about um, God or about like a spiteful God or a punishing God or anything like that or like the ways because I think people use the Bible for power and control, just like they use religion for power and control. And there's a big difference between doctra and dogma and permission and release and opening, right? And like, I think that um, in its best scripture and the words from God, and um, I think that is permission giving and opening and teaches us how to live a blissful life. Um, Whereas I think there are other... um, like uses of like belief systems uh, that create trauma because they're all about power and control and keeping people in power. Like it doesn't make sense that the Bible as we know it uh, doesn't have any writings by women. Um, Even though I think there's a Gnostic gospel that has writings by women, which I read a really cool book about that. Um, But I, so I don't see the Bible as the only scripture. Oh, she said it. Um, I see the Bible as a scripture, um, but a, an incredibly powerful and potent one, especially the New Testament, where they're talking about like how free and open you can be um, a, in God and how faith opens you up. And like, uh, I can't even, I, I'm not even going to quote scripture off the top of my head because I don't have any of it at the ready, but it's like part of my belief system that like basically God teaches you how to vibe up and um, be in like this really like beautiful allowing space rather than telling you like what you're not supposed to do and like how to control you. Um, and I think like approaching the Bible from like a take what you like and leave the rest uh, sort of a space to like see what resonates with you is the the tact I like to take. Um, and it's true how I like, that's how I apply to every spiritual teaching, um, I get into, but I truly think that scripture is anything that someone creates from their, uh, personal relationship with God. Um, people who are incredible artists, I think Cardi B is a spiritual thought leader. And I think she is truly creating from that God connection. Um, I actually really admire Cardi B's faith a lot. Um, she says God is great in her, um, Instagram profile. And so I started saying God is great in her Instagram profile. Like, it's just like one of those things where like, I see someone who is just so connected to God and like in her raps, like I just hear messages, you know, and it's, uh, I, I see the same thing as like, um, there, there's just so many other types of scripture, like great poetry, I think is scripture. Um, anything that can connect you and deepen your relationship with God through connecting with other people's artistic renderings of their relationship with God, if that makes sense. Um, I also, uh, really truly feel the presence of God when I'm in nature. Uh, when I can see 
nothing but what God made. Um, and so like, if I'm in the city, it's looking straight up into the sky. The sky is all made from God. As long as there's no airplanes, um, looking up into a tree, uh, looking when I'm lucky enough to be in the forest, just looking out and seeing like 180 degrees of just what God made. When I'm lucky enough to be at the ocean, just like put my little toes in the water, uh, feeling the sand, feeling the water, feeling the wind and like looking out at the vastness of the ocean. That to me is the presence of God. And just like knowing that for you, like, where are you when you feel the presence of God and like really being part of that, um, inquiry in yourself, I think is a great way to deepen your relationship with God. Um, and then like, you know, connecting with things that are scripture for you. And like, maybe you have a faith practice where you have scripture that is intentional. Um, but like, I think some Buddhist chants are a form of scripture. Um, I just really think there's like a lot of ways that God communicates to us and through us and through other people to us, um, that are super amazing. Um, I, was one time when I was in New York, I was sitting at a bus stop and a man came up and sat next to me. And just like, there was just no question in my mind, like the way we interacted and things that he told me. And then he gave me a pen. He said, I want you to take a pen. And he had this like collection of pens. And it was the same thing my grandfather had done. He had sent me this like random assortment of pens from his desk when I was in law school. He was, he and my grandmother would always send me uh, school supplies, basically, that were their leftover office supplies. Um, but it was just like this moment where I knew that this man was like connecting to me, like as my grandfather, you know, and just like allowing for these amazing, miraculous experiences to occur um, is part of my spiritual practice and like being connected and open to that kind of stuff. Um, I remember sharing about that with my grandmother. I called her immediately, like after I got off the bus and I was like, oh my God, I had this experience and she loved it. She loved hearing how I connected um, in that way to her uh, departed husband. Um, and yeah, like other spiritual thought leaders who have really helped me develop my belief system, uh, the Long Island medium, Teresa Caputo, her books are so good. So first and foremost, I think she's done an amazing job with her TLC show, simply like making, um, mediumship and psychic awareness more mainstream palatable. I think that's a huge service because the more people who can connect to things that can bring them peace and bring them to a stronger connection with God, I think the better. Um, her book, there's more to life than this is phenomenal. Um, I already believed in like 80% of what she was saying. So I was thus therefore more open to like that remaining 20% that was newer to me. Um, I learned a lot about why I should start a meditation practice from her. And in fact, that was the reason why I really began. Um, I, I tried to meditate. I basically took me 10 years to become the boss meditator that I am today. And I say boss meditator because I am meditating an hour a day if I can. Um, most days I can. Um, so I wake up in the morning first thing and I carve out that first hour of my day and that's meditation. And I just clear my mind. And uh, meditation, uh, Michael Bernard Beckwith says, is paying undistractable attention to that which is real, which is basically just opening, closing the outer eye, opening the inner eye, and just being present for God and just like letting the thoughts come through without judgment, um, without like needing to force all thoughts out and just letting the thoughts pass like clouds and not being swayed by them. Um, and, uh, and sometimes that's visioning for me. Sometimes that's being in a gratitude practice, but like, I really try to like spend at least some of that time in thoughtless, uh, connection. Um, I 
really like Teresa Caputo has taught me a lot about spiritual hygiene. Um, I have a couple of good um, meditations on my Patreon page, which is the um, Patreon is like the marriage of crowdfunding and a membership support site. So I have one. It's patreon.com slash FKDP, which stands for Fat Kid Dance Party. Um, and one of the tiers of support uh, is at the $5 level, and that has a special podcast series just for my Patreon babes. And they're all like four minutes or less of like tools and self-care and self-love tips, um, including some meditations, which incorporate a lot of what I do for my spiritual hygiene, which to me is like protecting me from lower energies and uh, keeping my vibe up and protecting me from like people who would wish me harm. Right. So I learned a lot of that from Teresa Caputo's work. Um, I've also, my spiritual practice has also really helped me a lot reconcile my relationship with people I love who have passed away. Um, I am only 40 and, um, gosh, when I was 27 was when my friends started dying. Um, and a lot of people died from cancer. A lot of people uh, died via suicide. A lot of people have died via overdose, which I think is a form of suicide. Um, and it is really hard to reconcile, um, people dying that many people that I love dying without a spiritual practice. And like, that was one of the first big reliefs I had as, um, a spiritual person because, um, my ex lover luscious, uh, passed away about, uh, a year and change after we broke up. And, um, it was really hard. And it was, while um, just right before I started life coaching with Lenny and I remember Lenny just talking about like what was possible in the afterlife when you believe in God and like what's possible with how you connect with those people and people who crossed over. And, um, it has been such a blessing and a relief. Um, I honestly like kind of have a closer connection with some people now that they've passed away. Um, and yeah, like my, my dad's mom, uh, really, uh, her active alcoholism and, um, her physical abuse of me when I was little, uh, really affected our relationship when she was still alive and she passed away when I was 22. And now I have a way better relationship with her with more compassion, um, and more connection, I think, because she's across the veil. And so we have that, that way of connecting that doesn't have her, her disease that is keeping us from connecting. So, you know, it's just like, if you struggle with, um, people passing, I highly recommend connecting with Teresa Caputo's books because they really do. She has a great book about grieving. It's called good grief. Um, and her second book, uh, is you can't make this stuff up, which is also like more stories of people in the afterlife. And, um, I really just resonate with what she says and really appreciate how she connects to spirit and teaches us to connect to spirit. Um, other spiritual thought leaders that have really affected me and vibed me up, Kyle Cease. Uh, he is a former, or I guess maybe a current stand-up comedian, um, but he gave up his life as a comedy central stand-up comedian, uh, very successful um, to become a spiritual teacher. And he teaches people how to live a happier life and a more connected life. Uh, it has some great courses online. I joined his Absolutely Everything Past community. Um, it was uh, 19 bucks a month. Uh, I think now it's 29 bucks a month. You get access to all of his courses. But I think even more valuably, you get access to his weekly calls where he just like talks about spirituality and how to live a spiritual life and how to chase the things that are your highest vibe and how to stay in the highest vibe 
rather than the low vibe. And um, he just like has so much to give. And I've really appreciated learning from him. And it is sometimes really terrifying to chase your dreams. And it's helpful to have someone there cheering you on. Um, And it's helpful to hear about he talks about meditation all the time. That's actually how I Teresa Caputo says meditate for 11 minutes every morning. And I will tell you 2018 was the year I got to 11 minutes virtually every single morning. Um, But 2019, because of the influence of Kyle Cease, I am now up to an hour. Um, Kyle actually is now into like meditate all day long. See what happens. Why would you go spend your life at a job uh, when you can? Like he says some stuff, right? Some stuff that is like, woo, you got to you got to be out of the, the matrix and thinking in a whole new way. But really love Kyle. Kyle like helps you chase those true longings on your heart. And I think like when you're ready for him, you're ready for him. He has a lot of great free stuff on YouTube. Um, he has a great book coming out called The Illusion of Money. Um, but my work with Kyle Cease, so much of my life has fallen apart in the last year since I've been um, doing absolutely everything past. And I think it's all falling apart for my good. Just like when I lost my job and lost my apartment and lost my fiance, like when I was 27, 28 years old, um, I feel that that is happening again. I'm having another like spiritual moment where things are shifting uh, beyond my control. And I'm just like kind of along for the ride trying to like survive through it. Um, so Kyle Cease is great. Um, so if you like, just want to dip in, try his YouTube. He's got some good stuff there. Louise Hay, uh, spiritual thought leader. She is, she passed away a couple years ago. Um, but she wrote the book, you can heal your life. Now, all of these spiritual thought leaders that I'm recommending, I need you to take, um, the advice of take what you like and leave the rest. I learned that in Al-Anon. It has served me very well because you don't, it's like going to the store. You're not going to put everything in your cart, uh, on the shelves. You're just going to take what you need and let the rest stay. So a lot of these people have weight loss goals as a thing they talk about. Um, I think that weight loss goals are unnecessary. Um, I think that as you, uh, love your body, your body will go to the weight that it's meant to be at. Um, I think the idea that there's only one right way to have a body is not in alignment with actual human diversity, right? Like that's a societal thing, but most of these thought leaders are not enlightened in that way. And that's okay. Right. Cause I can still learn from them and use it for my work, helping the world get better. So you Can Heal Your Life is Louise Hay's seminal book. It does talk about weight loss, trigger warning. But, um, you know, she has so much good stuff to say about, like, your thought life because your thoughts become your things. Um, thoughts are so powerful. One of the most important and powerful things I've done in my spiritual journey is take control of my thought life. And I'm still working on that, like, actively today, like, doing this brain detox thing where I'm working to... Um, like remove my suicidal thoughts. Like they keep popping up every time I dwell in uncertainty, I feel suicidal. And I'm like, I don't want that. I like, I'm really working to stay alive. And so I'm working on my thought life, but this is yet another example of my thought life. I have been working on my thought life for 10 years. Almost. Um, I realized when I was working with Linny, my life coach, how, uh, self-abusive I was the way I talked to myself. I couldn't even, Lenny was like, talk to yourself like you're a little kid. And I couldn't do it. I was so mean to myself. And it was such a huge realization for me that I had so much work to do. And 10 years later, a little less than 10 years later, I am still working on it, but it's okay because it's way better in there. Um, and so Louise Hay talks a lot about affirmations, affirming what you want, um, and really like learning how to be in your highest vibration so that you can have the best life possible. 
And I really love her stuff, and I really love her yearly page-a-day calendar, the I Can Do It calendar. Um, And Louise Hay has a whole publishing company she left behind. So not only did she leave her body of work, but she created a publishing house so that she can amplify other people's bodies of work, which is just amazing. What a great legacy. And um, they do a yearly summit called the I Can Do It Conference, I think is what they call it now. It used to be the Hay House World Summit. Um, And every year it's like... 80 to 100 um, hour-long interviews with people who have stuff they can teach us. It's such a good font of learning new spiritual stuff, new ideas from cool people who have stuff to teach us. So I highly recommend that if you're interested in exploring spirituality. Other people I love to interact with, Shaman Durek is a third-generation African shaman. He has a great podcast called Ancient Wisdom Today, and I've learned so much from him and a lot of good rituals and practice and things to keep my vibe up. Um, I really like Gabby Bernstein, uh, especially if you have any experience in recovery communities. She speaks, she herself has recovered, uh, through AA, I think probably. And she, she has like, like the 12 step language, but she has some great books. The universe has your back is my favorite book of hers. Um, and highly recommend her if you like someone who is a vulnerable thought leader who talks about her own journey. Basically she's teaching what she's learning as she's teaching it, as she's learning it. Right. Um, I also really love Marianne Williamson. She's running for president. Her book, Tears to Triumph, um, is a really good book if you struggle with suicidality and depression. Um, but also A Return to Love is a great book. She has a lot of things to offer um, and also has a strong Instagram presence now that she's running for president. So that's good. And, you know, I, I know she's like a spiritual thought leader running for president. And I think it's great. I think she's literally the anti-Trump. Um, I also love Ianla Van Zant who uh, has a show called Ianla Fix My Life on OWN, the Oprah Winfrey Network, Network, which I think is also now a podcast. Um, And Ianla has tons of resources. She's been in the game for like 30 years. So she has YouTube videos and things like that that are super helpful. Oprah, um, I find Oprah to be 80% net positive. I know there's like 20% that's like literal diet culture, and I don't like that. But again, take what you like and leave the rest. Uh, Oprah's Super Soul Conversations are fabulous, and they're a great way to learn about new spiritual thought leaders to you so that you can vibe up. Um, I really also, again, take what you like and leave the rest. I love Joel Osteen, who is a preacher from Houston, Texas, and he um, preaches to a very large congregation. His sermons are available on YouTube and podcast, but he really talks about the positivity that's available for us when we connect to God. Um, And it's a really helpful thing that I listen to when I need an attitude adjustment and I need to align my uh, present thinking with my true belief, which is that I serve a God of multiplication. I serve a God who wants to help make my life better and that I... Tough breaks happen to every single human. It's just hard to be human. It's part of why we're here. We're here to go through challenges and we're here to learn. And I feel like Joel just like, you know, he may not fully believe what I believe, but he doesn't preach any of the stuff that's like, I guess, anti-gay. I don't know. I guess he's not for gay marriage, but like, you know, whatever. I'm not asking him to get me married to somebody. Um, So anyway, whatever. So I love taking what you like and leaving the rest. I love vibing up. I love learning more about spirituality. um, And I love just getting to share with people about it. I appreciate that you tuned in to this episode. I'm going to try to put together some show notes at queerfatfem.com. I hope someday soon to have a new website, uh, but right now that's where it is. And I'm really hopeful that uh, any of this was helpful to you, just expanding what's possible for you and how 
you live your life in your best. Um, I think you have a dream on your heart that's unique to you. I think you have talents that are unique to you. And I think every single person has a purpose and we're here for a reason. And part of being here is getting through our lessons and learning our lessons and vibing up so that we can continue to um, do that work that's on our heart. Even if your work is like to be a, a to raise badass kids, or if your work is to save the environment, or whatever, like all of these social justice dumpster fires that we're faced with right now, um, there's always been dumpster fires, and there's always been people here who are meant to put them out, and people who are meant to be part of teams, and people who support those people. Um, there's just so many ways to help make the world a better place, and I just am so grateful that you have joined me today uh, to just be part of making the world a better place and making you a better person and. Uh, I appreciate you and I love you. And if you haven't heard today, you are worthy of love exactly as you are. You are magnificent. You are amazing. You are important. You are vital. And I just love you so much. And I can't wait to see you next time. And if you are on Instagram, follow me there, Bevan's Party. And uh, also maybe consider popping over to my Patreon. Every dollar helps. Even a couple bucks uh, a month is a huge support to helping to make this podcast possible and to help make my life possible. And, um, you know, if you're listening to this in the future, the the answer will be clear (laughs) about how I paid my rent (laughs) in October and uh, whether or not I stayed in LA. So anyway, I'm just here from the uncertainty of my life, but the faithfulness and the trueness of uh, who I serve my life to and through appreciate you. And we are ending this episode with one of my favorite spiritual thought leaders, Cardi B. I'm living my best life. Yeah, yeah. I'm living my best life. Made a couple and you know. I said, I'm living my best life. I said, I'm living my best life. Made a couple M's with my best friends. Turned all my L's in the last hands. You see the whip pulling up, it's like skirt. Dream pulling up, I'm like skirt. I'm living my best life. It's my birthday, at least that's what I'm dressed like. I'm like Big Pop mixed with Tupac. I'm like Machiavelli. Need a little Caesar pizza. I be hot and ready, nigga. You a pussy and a rat. You like Tom and Jerry, nigga. You ain't ballin'. You just talking. That's that commentary. I was in the film and I slayed for this. Had to talk to God, drop down and pray for this. To my surprise, he replied, say you made for this. I seen the car wanted, then I went and paid for it. Cash, cash. Hit the take care. Hit the race. Hit the dash, dash. That's when they came for me on Twitter with the backlash Cardi B is so problematic, it's the hashtag I can't believe they wanna see me lose that bad They talking junk and they stink these hoes, mad trash I'm giggling, can let the devil have the last laugh Ain't no more beefing, I'm just keeping to myself I'm my own competition, I'm competing with myself I told y'all I'm living my best life I told y'all I'm living my best life I made a couple L's with my best friends Turned on my L's in the lesson You see the whip pulling up, it's like skirt Dreams pulling up, it's like skirt I'm living my best life It's my birthday, at least that's what I'm dressed like You don't like money, I can see it in your eye you don't like winning, I can see it in your tie. Better be careful with these women when you trick and send and fly. She count money in her sleep and she don't never spend the night. But she trapping and she had to make it happen for her life. Don't be mad because she having shit, you had it your whole life. We had baggage on our flights, we had badges on our asses. You got passes in your life, you had gadgets on your bike. Got work-
work magic, got work magic, got work magic in my life. And that guala like Ayala, cause that bag just fix my life. And y'all no good and damn well, I don't want no champagne. Can we please get some more champagne? Please know Andre G like Bonche, reach like Ron James, pep talk from Yonsei. Remember my hands had ash like Pompeii. Now they hold cash, won't peak like Dante. I told y'all, I'm living my best life. I told y'all, I said, I'm living my best life. I made a couple L's with my best friends. Turned all my L's into lessons. You see the whip pulling up, it's like skirt. Dreams pulling up, it's like skirt. I'm living my best life. It's my birthday, at least I wear them dress like. I never had a problem showing y'all the real me. Hair when it's fucked up, crib when it's filthy. Way before the deal me, strip to pay the bills me. Before I fix my teeth, man, those comments used to kill me. But never did I change, never been ashamed. Never did I switch, stories stay the same. I did this on my own, I made this a lane. Y'all got a bear with me, I've been through some things. Work for small, less apartments, to walk in red carpets. Pissy elevators, not every dress is tailored. Some real life fairy tale, been the relish shit. I got further than them hoes that I will ever get. And that only goes to show that only God knows. I took pictures with Beyonce. I'm in Mama Nose. I'm the rose that came from the concrete and the rose. I'm like gold, I'm like gold, man. I'm chosen, I'm floating. Hey. I told y'all, I'm living my best life. I told y'all, I said, I'm living my best life. I made a couple M's with my best friend. Turn on my L's in the lessons. You see the whip pulling up his life skirt. Dreams pulling up his life skirt. I'm living my best life. It's my birthday. At least I wear them dress like skirts. Going down right now. Skirts, skirts. Jamie Foxx in your town like skirts, skirts. Money piling up and all the blacks coming on I told y'all, I told y'all, you don't know. I, I told y'all, I told y'all, don't know. Told y'all, I, I told y'all, you don't know.